Section 31 of Celebrated Travels and Travelers, Volume 3. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Celebrated Travels and Travelers, Volume 3. The Great Explorers and Travelers of the 19th Century, by Jules Verne second part chapter two part two french circumnavigators seven expedition of baron de bougainville stay at pondicherry the white town and the black town right hand and left hand malacca singapore and its prosperity stay at manila Turon Bay, the monkeys and the people, the marble rocks of Faifo, Cochin Chinese diplomacy, the Anambas, the Sultan of Madura, the Straits of Madura and Alas, Clothes and the Triad Islands, Tasmania, Botany Bay and New South Wales. Santiago and Valparaiso Return via Cape Horn Expedition of Dumont d'Urville in the Astrolabe The Peak of Tenerife Australia Stay at New Zealand Tonga Tabu Skirmishes New Britain and New Guinea First news of the fate of La Perouse, Vanikoro and its inhabitants, stay at Guam, Amboina and Menado, results of the expedition. The expedition, the command of which was entrusted to Baron de Bougainville, was, strictly speaking, neither a scientific voyage nor a campaign of discovery. Its chief purpose was to unfurl the French flag in the extreme east and to impress upon the governments of that region the intention of France to protect her nationalities and her interests everywhere and at all times. The chief instructions given to the commander were that he was to convey to the sovereign of Cochin China a letter from the king together with some presents to be placed on board the frigate Tetis. Monsieur de Bougainville was also, whenever possible, without such delays as would prejudice the main object of the expedition, to take hydrographic surveys and to collect information upon the commerce, productions and means of exchange of the countries visited. Two vessels were placed under the orders of Monsieur de Bougainville. One, the Tetis, was an entirely new frigate, carrying 44 cannons and 300 sailors, no French frigate of the strength, except the Boudeux, having ever before accomplished the voyage round the world. The other, the sloop Esperance, had twenty carronades upon the deck and carried a hundred and twenty seamen. The first of these vessels was under the direct orders of Baron de Bougainville, and his staff consisted of picked officers, amongst whom we may mention Longueville, Lapierre, Baudois, afterwards captain vice admiral and rear admiral the esperance was commanded by frigate captain de norquier du camper 
who as second in command of the frigate cleopatra had already explored a great part of the course of the new expedition it numbered amongst its officers turpin afterwards vice-admiral deputy and aide-de-camp of louis philippe eugene penault afterwards general officer and Mederic Malevoy, the future governor of senegal not one notable scientific man such as those who had been billeted in such numbers on the naturalist and other circumnavigating vessels had embarked upon those of baron de bougainville to whom it was a constant matter of regret a regret intensified by the fact that the medical officers with so many under their care could not be long absent from the vessels when in port Monsieur de bougainville's journal of the voyage opens with this judicious remark it was not many years ago a dangerous enterprise to make a voyage around the world and scarce half a century has elapsed since the time when an expedition of this kind would have sufficed to reflect glory upon the man who directed it this was the good old time the golden age of the circumnavigator and the dangers and privations against which he had to struggle were repaid a hundredfold when rich in valuable discoveries he hailed on his return the shores of his native land but this is all over now the prestige has gone and we make our tour of the globe nowadays as we should then have made that of france what would baron yves hyacinth potentian de bougainville the son of the vice-admiral senator and member of the institute say to-day to our admirable steamships of perfect form and charts of such minute exactitude that distant voyages appear mere joke on the second march eighteen twenty four the tethys quitted the rose at brest to take up at bourbon her companion the esperance which having started some time before had set sail for rio de janeiro a short stay at tenerife where the tethys was only able to purchase some poor wine and a very small quantity of the provisions needed a view of the cape heard islands and the cape of good hope in the distance and a hunt for the fabulous island of saxenberg and some rocks no less fictitious were the only incidents of the voyage to bourbon where the esperance had already arrived bourbon was at this time so familiar a point with the navigators that there was little to be said about it when its two open roads of st denis and st paul had been mentioned st denis the capital situated on the north of bourbon and at the extremity of a sloping tableland was properly speaking merely a large town without enclosure or walls and each house in it was surrounded by a garden there were no public buildings or places of interest worth mentioning except the governor's palace situated in such a position as to command a view of the whole road the botanic garden and the jardin de naturalization which dates from eighteen seventeen the former which is in the centre of the town contains some beautiful walks unfortunately but little frequented and it is admirably kept the eucalyptus the giant of the australian forests the formium tenax the new zealand hemp plant the casuarina the pine of madagascar the baobab with a trunk of prodigious size the carambolas the sapota 
the vanilla combined to beautify this garden which was refreshed by streams of sparkling water the second upon the brow of a hill form of terraces rising one above the other to which several brooklets give life and fertility was specially devoted to the acclimatization of european trees and plants the apple peach apricot cherry and pear trees which have thriven well have already supplied the colony with valuable shoots the vine was also grown in this garden together with the tea plant and several rarer species amongst which bougainville noted with delight the laurea argentina with its bright leaves on the ninth june the two vessels left the roads of st denis after having doubled the shoals of la fortune and saya de malha and passed off the seychelles whilst among the atolls to the south of the maldive islands which are level with the surface of the water and covered with bushy trees ending in a cluster of cocoas they sighted the island of ceylon and the coromandel coast and cast anchor before pondicherry this part of india is far from answering to the enchantress idea which the determining descriptions of writers who have celebrated its marvels have led europeans to form the number of public buildings and monuments at pondicherry will scarcely bear counting and when one has visited the more curious of the pagodas and the boilers whose only recommendation is their utility there is nothing very interesting except the novelty of the scenes met with at every turn the town is divided into two well-defined quarters the one called the white town dull and deserted in spite of its coquettish looking buildings and the far more interesting black town with its bazaars its jugglers its massive pagodas and the attractive dances of the bayadeers the indian population upon the coast of coromandel says the narrative is divided into two classes the right hand and the left this division originated under the government of a nabob against whom the people revolted those who remained faithful to the prince being distinguished by the designation of right hand and the rest by that of left hand these two great tribes which divide between them almost equally the entire population are in a chronic state of hostility against the holders of the ranks and prerogatives obtained by the friends of the prince the latter however retain the offices and the gift of the government whilst the others are engaged in commerce to maintain peace amongst them it was necessary to allow them to retain their ancient processions and ceremonies the right hand and the left hand are subdivided into eighteen castes or guilds full of pretensions and prejudices not diminished even by the constant intercourse with europeans which has now for centuries been maintained hence have arisen feelings of rivalry and contempt which would be the source of sanguinary wars were it not that the hindus have a horror of bloodshed and that their temperament renders them averse to conflict these two facts i e the gentleness of the native disposition and the constant presence of an element of discord amongst the various tribes must ever be borne in mind if we would understand the political phenomenon of more than fifty millions of men submitting to the yoke of some five and twenty or thirty thousand foreigners <laughs>
the thetis and the esperance quitted the roadstead of pondicherry on the thirtieth of july crossed the sea of bengal sighted the islands of nicobar and pula penang with its freeport capable of holding three hundred ships at a time they then entered the straits of malacca and remained in the dutch port of that name from the twenty fourth to the twenty sixth july to repair damages sustained by the esperance so that she might hold out as far as manila the intercourse of the explorers with the resident and the inhabitants generally were all the more pleasant that it was confirmed by banquets given on land and on board the tethys in honour of the kings of france and the netherlands the dutch were expecting soon to cede this station to the english and this session took place shortly afterwards it must be added with regard to malacca that in point of fertility of soil pleasantness of situation and facilities for obtaining all really necessary supplies it was superior to its rivals bougainville set out again on august twenty sixth and was tossed about by headwinds and troubled alike by calms and storms during the remainder of his passage through the straits as these latitudes were more frequented than any others by malay pirates the commandant placed sentries on the watch and took all precautions against surprise although his force was strong enough to be above fearing any enemy it was no uncommon thing to see fly-boats manned by a hundred seamen and more than one merchant ship had recently fallen a prey to these unmolested and incorrigible corsairs the squadron however saw nothing to awake any suspicions and continued its course to singapore the population of this town is a curious mixture of races and our travellers met with europeans engaged in the chief branches of commerce armenian and arabian merchants and chinese some planters others following the various trades demanded by the requirements of the population the malays who seemed out of place in an advancing civilization either led a life of servitude or slept away their time in indolence and misery whilst the hindus expelled from their country for crime practised the indescribable trades which in all great cities alone saved the scum from dying of starvation it was only in eighteen nineteen that the english procured from the malayan sultan of johor the right to settle in the town of singapore and the little village in which they established themselves then numbered but hundred and fifty inhabitants although thanks to sir stamford raffles a town soon rose on the site of the unpretending cabins of the natives by a wise stroke of policy all customs duties were abolished and the natural advantages of the new city with its extensive and secure port were supplemented and perfected by the hand of man the garrison numbered only three hundred sepoys and thirty gunners there were as yet no fortifications and the artillery equipment consisted merely of one battery of twenty cannons and as many bronze field pieces indeed singapore was simply one large warehouse to which madras sent cotton cloth calcutta opium sumatra pepper java arak and spices manila sugar and arak all forthwith dispatched to europe china siam etc of public buildings there appeared to be none 
there were no stores no careening wharves no building yards no barracks and the visitors noticed but one small church for native converts the squadron resumed its voyage on the second september and reached the harbour of cavite without any mishap meanwhile mr de Camper, commander of the esperance who had during a residence of some years became acquainted with the principal inhabitants was ordered to go to manila that he might inform the governor-general of the philippines of the arrival of the frigates the reasons of their visit etc and at the same time gauge his feelings towards them and form some idea of the reception the french might expect the recent intervention of france in the affairs of spain placed them indeed in a very delicate position with the then governor don juan antonio martinez who had been nominated to his post by the very cortes which had just been overthrown by their government the fears of the commandant however were not confirmed for he met with the warmest kindness and most cordial cooperation from the spanish authorities cavite bay where the vessels cast anchor was constantly encumbered with mud but it was the chief port in the philippine islands and there the spaniards owned a very well supplied arsenal in which worked indians from the surrounding districts who though skilful and intelligent were excessively lazy whilst the tethys was being sheeted and the extensive repairs necessary to the esperance were being carried out the clerks and officers were at manila seeing about the supply of provisions and cordage the latter which was made of abaca the fibre of a banana vulgarly called manila hemp although recommended on account of its great elasticity was not of much use on board ship the delay at manila was rendered very disagreeable by earthquakes and typhoons which are always of constant occurrence there on october twenty fourth there was an earthquake of such violence that the governor troops and a portion of the people were compelled hastily to leave the town and the loss was estimated at hundred and twenty thousand many houses were thrown down eight people were buried in the ruins and many others injured scarcely had the inhabitants begun to breathe freely again when a frightful typhoon came to complete the panic it lasted only part of the night of the thirty-first of october and the next day when the sun rose it might have been looked upon as a mere nightmare had not the melancholy sight of fields laid waste and of the arbor with six ships lying on their sides and all the others at anchor almost entirely disabled testified to the reality of the disaster all round the town the country was devastated the crops were ruined the trees even the largest of them violently shaken the village destroyed it was a heart-rending spectacle the esperance had its main mast and mizen mast lifted several feet above deck and its barricadings were carried off the thetis more fortunate than his companion escaped almost uninjured in the dreadful tempest the laziness of the workpeople and the great number of holidays in which they indulge early decided bougainville to part for a time from his convoy and on december the twelfth he set sail for cochin china before following the french to the little frequented shores of that country however we must survey with them manila and its environs the bay of manila is one of the most extensive and beautiful in the world numerous fleets might find anchorage in it 
and its two channels were not yet closed to foreign vessels and in seventeen ninety eight two english frigates had been allowed to pass through them and carry off numerous vessels under the very guns of the town the horizon is shut in by a barrier of mountains ending on the south of the tal a volcano now almost extinct but the eruptions of which have often caused frightful calamities in the plains framed in rice plantations several hamlets and solitary houses give animation to the scene opposite to the mouth of the bay rises the town containing sixty thousand inhabitants with its lighthouse and far extending suburbs it is watered by the pasik a river issuing from bay lake and its exceptionally good situation secures to it advantages which more than one capital might envy the garrison without including the militia consisted at that time of two thousand two hundred soldiers and in addition to the military navy always represented by some vessel at anchor a marine service had been organized for the exclusive use of the colony to which the name of sutil had been given either on account of the small size or the fleetness of the vessels employed this service all appointments in which are in the gift of the governor-general is composed of schooners and gun sloops intended to protect the coasts and the trading vessels against the pirates of sulu but it cannot be said that the organization imposing as it is has achieved any great results of this bougainville gives the following curious illustration in eighteen twenty eight the suluans seized three thousand of the inhabitants upon the coast of luzon and an expedition sent against them cost one hundred and forty thousand piastres and resulted in the killing of six men great uneasiness prevailed in the philippines at the time of the visit of the tetis and the esperance and a political reaction which had steeped the metropolis in blood had thrown a gloom over everyone on december twentieth eighteen twenty a massacre of the whites by the indians in eighteen twenty four the mutiny of a regiment and the assassination of an ex-governor senor de folguera had been the first horrors which had endangered the supremacy of the spanish the creoles who with the tagalas were alike the richest and most industrious classes of the true native population at this time gave just cause for uneasiness to the government because they were known to desire the expulsion of all who were not natives of the philippines and when it is borne in mind that they commanded the native regiments and held the greater part of the public offices it is easy to see how great must have been their influence well might people ask whether they were not on the eve of one of those revolutions which lost to spain her fairest colonies until the tetis reached macao she was much harassed by squalls gales heavy showers and an intensity of cold felt all the more keenly by the navigators after their experience for several months of a temperature of seventy-five and three-quarters degrees fahrenheit scarcely was anchor cast in the canton river before a great number of native vessels came to examine the frigate offering for sale vegetables fish oranges and a multitude of trifles once so rare now so common 
but always costly. The town of Macao, says the narrative, shut in between bare hills, can be seen from afar, the whiteness of its buildings rendering it very conspicuous. It partly faces the coast, and the houses, which are elegantly built, line the beach, following the natural contour of the shore. The parade is also the finest part of the town, and is much frequented by foreigners. Behind it, the ground rises abruptly, and the facades of the building, such as convents, noticeable for their size and peculiar architecture, rise, so to speak, from the second stage. The hall being crowned by the embattled walls of the forts, over which floated the white flag of Portugal. At the northern and southern extremities of the town, facing the sea, are batteries built in three stages, and near the first, but at little farther inland, rises a church with a very effective portico and fine external decorations. Numerous sampangs, junks, and fishing boats, anchored close in shore, give animation to the scene the setting of which would be much brightened if the heights overlooking the town were not so totally wanting in verdure. Situated as it is in the high road, between China and the rest of the world, Macau, once one of the chief relics of Portuguese colonial prosperity, long enjoyed exceptional privileges, all of which were, however, gone by 1825, when its one industry was a contraband trade in opium. The Tatus only touched at Macau to leave some missionaries and to hoist the French flag, and Bougainville set sail again on January the 8th. Nothing worthy of notice occurred on the voyage from Macau to Turombay. Arrived there, Bougainville learned that the French agent, Mr. Chignu, had left Hugh for Saigon, with the intention of there chartering a bark for Singapore, and in the absence of the only person who could further his schemes, he didn't know with whom to open relations. Fearing failure as an inevitable result of this contretemps, he at once dispatched a letter to Hugh, explaining the object of his mission, and expressing a wish to go with some of his officers to Saigon. The time, which necessarily elapsed before an answer was received, was turned to account by the French, who minutely surveyed the bay and its surroundings, together with the famous marble rocks, the objects of the curious interest of all travellers. Torombe has been described by various authors, notably by Horsburg, as one of the most beautiful and vast in the universe. But such is not the opinion of Bougainville, who thinks these statements are to be taken with a great deal of reservation. The village of Turon is situated upon the sea coast, at the entrance of the channel of Faifoch, from the right bank of which rises a fort with glaciers, bastions, and a dry moat built by French engineers. The French, being looked upon as old allies, were always received with kindness and without suspicion. It had not apparently been so with the English, who had not been permitted to land, whilst the sailors on board the Tethys were at once allowed to fish and hunt and to go and come as they choose, every facility for obtaining fresh provisions being also accorded to them. Thanks to this latitude, the officers were able to scour the country and make interesting observations. One of them, Monsieur de la Toine, gives the following description of the natives. 
they are rather under than over middle height, and in this respect they closely resemble the Chinese of Macau. Their skin is of a yellowish brown, and their heads are flat and round. Their faces are without expression, their eyes are as melancholy, but their eyebrows are not so strongly marked as those of the Chinese. They have flat noses and large mounts, and their lips bulge out in a way rendered the more disagreeable as they are always black and dirty from the habit indulged in by men and women alike of chewing areca nut mixed with betel and lime. The women, who are almost as tall as the men, have not a more pleasant appearance, and the repulsive filthiness common to both sexes is enough without anything else to deprive them of all attractiveness. What strikes one most is the wretchedness of the inhabitants as compared with the fertility of the soil, and this shocking contrast betrays alike the selfishness and carelessness of the government and the insatiable greed of the mandarins. The plains produce maize, yams, manioc, tobacco, and rice, the flourishing appearance of which testifies to the care bestowed upon them. The sea yields large quantities of delicious fish, and the forests give shelter to numerous birds, as well as tigers, rhinoceroses, buffaloes, and elephants, and troops of monkeys are to be met with everywhere, some of them four feet high, with bodies of a pearl-gray color, black tights, and red legs. They wear red collars and white girdles, which make them look just as if they were clothed. Their muscular strength is extraordinary, and they clear enormous distances in leaping from branch to branch. Nothing can be odder than to see some dozen of these creatures upon one tree, indulging in the most fantastic grimaces and contortions. One day, says Bougainville, when I was at the edge of the forest, I wounded a monkey, who had ventured forth for a stroll in the sunshine. He hid his face in his hands, and sent forth such piteous groans that more than thirty of his tribe were about him in a moment. I lost no time in reloading my gun, not knowing what I might have to expect, for some monkeys are not afraid of attacking men. But the troop only took up their wounded comrade, and once more plunged into the wood. End of section 31